BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. You are now tuned in to the Asian Madness Podcast, a podcast where we discuss all things true crime, mysterious, morbid, and odd from the other side of the world. I'm your host, Jessica. Please sit back, relax, and let's dive into this week's topic. As always, I have a promo for you, and this is such a fascinating podcast, and I am really excited to play this promo for you guys. Take a listen. Hey, it's Barry. How are you? Let me ask you this. Do you like to hear stories of murder, deceit, and unbelievable true crime? If you do, then you want Extraordinary Stories Podcast. This girl here will be dead by 6pm. I will blow her head off. You cannot terrorise me anymore. Do you want to hear stories of incredible human survival? Stories of some of the most inspiring people who have ever lived. I think she did what any of us would do in that moment. She played dead. She lay there and she pretended to have died. That was what saved her. If you want stories of sex, death, murder, survival and real human stories told with humour but also respect, then you want Extraordinary Stories Podcast. Imagine turning up to your own funeral in a wig. (laughs) Listen to Extraordinary Stories podcast told by a Scottish man in a thick Scottish accent. Get it on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Okay, goodbye. Let's get it on. Let's do it. Let's get it over. So that was the Extraordinary Stories podcast. Or do you say extraordinary? Extraordinary? Either way, I highly suggest you guys go subscribe to this podcast as he tells these crimes in a way that nobody else does. You will end up learning a lot and not just how to understand the Scottish accent. Hello everyone, thanks for tuning in to the Asian Madness podcast. 
And yes, I am still celebrating my pod birthday, and I will continue for another week. Basically, the entire October, because why not? Plus, it's my birthday month as well, so it kind of makes sense, and it makes my life a lot easier. So with that said, another round of messages from some lovely people. When your favorite podcast turns one, it is a wonderful achievement that you should celebrate in the sun. But if you forget your sunscreen in the car park, your skin is going to end up pockmarked. Happy One Year Asian Matters podcast. Keep up the great work. Hello, everyone. My name is Jim. My name is Kit Karen, and we are the hosts of the Forgotten News podcast. But right now, I am going to talk about Jessica, the host of the Asian Madness podcast. Hey, wait just a minute. What's going on here? Why are you talking about a girl from some other podcast? Am I being replaced? You've got some explaining to do, Buster. I am not happy. No, it's nothing like that at all. What's actually going on is it's the first anniversary of the Asian Madness podcast that Jessica created, and I thought it would be nice for us to congratulate her as fellow podcasters. Hey, cool. Does she know that it's also the first anniversary of our podcast? So we're almost kind of like twinsies. (laughs) Not exactly. I don't think anyone who tunes into our show is expecting to hear stories about true crime in Asia. Well, we once had an episode about a college girl from Denmark who got kidnapped in China in 1920. That was only one episode, one time. The Asian Madness podcast has dozens. I get it now. If people want to hear lots of true stories about crime in Asia, then the Asian Madness podcast is the show that they should be listening to. And the stories on that show are about every country in Asia. Plus, not only that, Jessica has a great sense of humor, which is a definite bonus on every episode. Well, you convinced me. I just now subscribed while you were talking. That is awesome. But do you know what else is awesome? Yes, I do. (laughs) Congratulations on the one-year anniversary of the Asian Madness podcast. Absolutely. Congratulations, Jessica. Congratulations, Asian Madness Podcast. You're a one. Um, I've enjoyed every episode. And good job, Jessica. I can see that you always do your best and that you've enjoyed every bit of this. Um, I'm so happy for you. Uh, I'm going to keep this short. So um, may the Asian Madness Podcast live long and prosper. And I guess same for Jessica too. Yay! Hey Jessica, it's Michael from Unresolved and Hoax. I just wanted to call and wish you and Asian Madness a happy one-year anniversary. You have done such a great job with the podcast, and it's become one of my favorites. I look forward to it every time you release an episode. Uh, Keep it up, and congratulations. One year is a huge benchmark, and I can't wait for more.
Hi, Jessica. This is Roseanne. I just wanted to take the time to wish you and your show a happy first birthday. You've managed to create an amazing podcast, something that's completely unique and interesting. It's been a pleasure getting to know you over the last year and even more of a pleasure having had the opportunity to work with you. Again, happy first anniversary to you and your show. And here's to many, many more. Thank you all again for these messages. Adam from Point Blank, Jim and Kit from the Forgotten News podcast, my friend Samantha in Taiwan, Michael from the Unresolved and Hoax podcast, and Roseanne from California Dreaming. You are all amazing. Now, on to today's topic. Today we will take a little break from Asian crimes and visit a complete different continent. I know most of you are probably here because you are fascinated with true crime, so location probably won't matter that much. I'll be taking you to my birth country. Of course, I will always start with some background information, but it will be less detailed than my other Asian country overviews. Let's begin. Chile, officially known as the Republic of Chile. It's a long and narrow country located in South America. Chile borders Peru, Bolivia, and Argentina. Chile is about 291,000 square miles in area, and the population as of recent is about 18.2 million. Aside from the long piece of land in South America, Chile's territories also include a bunch of other small islands in the Pacific Ocean, including the very famous Easter Islands. What you may not have known is that Chile also claims about 480,000 square miles of Antarctica, but due to the Antarctic Treaty, those land claims are all on hold. The capital city of Chile is Santiago, and the official language is Spanish. For a brief history overview, Chile and many other South American countries were colonized by Spain in the mid-1500s. Chile eventually gained independence in the year 1818, and had been growing and flourishing at a steady pace. In the 1880s, Chile defeated Peru and Bolivia in the War of the Pacific and gained its current northern territories. Chile experienced major political unrest in the 60s and 70s when the democratically elect left-wing government was overthrown in a coup d'etat. What followed was a right-wing military dictatorship that was led by Augusto Pinochet, and that lasted till 1990, after it had finally lost a referendum in October 1988 to a center-left coalition. As of right now, Chile is considered one of the most stable and prosperous countries in South America. It has high ratings when it comes to human development index, income, living standards, economic freedom, etc. What's interesting is that it also has the lowest homicide rate in South America. And yet, here we are talking about murder in Chile. Ha ha. Today's case involves a man who was murdered for being different. He overcame obstacles in his life to become who he was, and yet, some people couldn't accept it. The only different thing about this man was that he was gay. That is all. As for the scums that committed the murder, we will get there. This is the 2012 murder of a man named Daniel Zamudio in the city of Santiago. There are details of violence and this is a hate crime, so please proceed with caution. 
Danielle Mauricio Zamudio Vera was born on August 3, 1987 to parents Yvonne Zamudio and Jacqueline Vera in the city of San Bernardo, located south of Santiago. Danielle had three other brothers, and by the time he was in his early teens, his entire family was well aware of his sexual orientation. His parents divorced during his teen years, and he went on to live with his mother and his grandmother. His relationship with his father was alright, but Daniel always felt that his father did not accept his sexual orientation. So, he was gay, his parents were divorced, obviously there's nothing wrong with any of that. But even if everybody around you was supportive of you, it can still be scary trying to be who you are. As a teen, I assume it can be overwhelming. Unfortunately, things got even worse for Danielle when his best friend committed suicide. This event threw him into a deep depression, and he decided to drop out of high school. It was said that Danielle had experienced bullying at times due to him being gay, and as sucky as that is, I know we are not exactly surprised either. Maybe this is why the loss of a trusted friend made such an impact as his best friend was probably one of the only persons out there who truly accepted him for who he was, and now he felt alone in the world. So life went on, and Daniel had regained balance and found his passion in life. He was very interested in music, theater, and modeling, and had set a goal to continue his studies. He was working at a clothing store, trying to come up with the money to go back to school. He had goals and dreams. He wanted to become famous and recognized. But aside from all the glamour, he also really wanted his own family and to be a father one day. You know, the simple pleasures in life. But life as a gay man is probably not that simple. He had many unpleasant encounters with strangers outside LGBT clubs, including one encounter where he was leaving a club called Blondie. A man came up to him and said something along the lines of, I know where you work, and when I get you, I will kill you. Whoa. Okay, boy, calm your balls, please. Doesn't this remind you a bit of Blondie's song, One Way or Another? At least I see it in a whole new different light now. Anyway, people like this continue to exist, and yes, it is super annoying. So now let's move on to the day the horrible crime took place. Be warned, this case involves murder and torture. On Friday, March 2nd, 2012, Danielle was heading off to work as usual. He made sure to tell his family that he was going to visit his friend after work, so he would be arriving home somewhat later. Hours went by, and still, Danielle never made it home. His family probably assumed he could have stayed over at his friend's house, so they did not think about calling the police immediately. Two nights went by, and on Sunday, his family finally decided to call the police and report Danielle missing. The police looked into Danielle's disappearance and soon after discovered that there was actually an unidentified male who had been admitted to the Post Central Hospital the day before at around 4 a.m. Yeah, it was Danielle. He was found in the park San Borja in Santiago, unconscious, beaten, and with no ID on him. Upon arriving at the hospital, the hospital staff put him into an induced coma. 24-year-old Danielle was found in the early hours of Saturday, March 3rd, by a park patrol guard, Ramon Merino. 
He had sustained severe trauma to, well, everywhere. He had cigarette burns all over his body as well. Part of his ear was either teared or cut off. His right leg was broken. His torso was cut in many places, and around his stomach area, the perpetrators had carved a goddamn swastika. Yeah, you guessed it. The little shits involved in this attack are what we would call neo-Nazis. Not that it's good that the idiots carved a swastika on him. That is no bueno, but at least that gives police an idea as to where to start looking. Danielle was gay and had been threatened before, so it made sense to look into these known neo-Nazis. For the next few days, police began looking into the case and collected on-scene evidence and talked to witnesses or people who may know the identity of these neo-Nazis. Evidence collected would include a rock that weighed about 6 to 8 kilos with bloodstains on it and a ring that someone had lost, presumably one of the attackers. I suppose these losers stood out and were not that popular with the community because four people were soon identified to be involved and on March 9th, they were all arrested. Maybe they were proud or they believed in standing up for their own beliefs because, when questioned, they all admitted to attacking Danielle. So, Jessica, who were these little shits? Let me tell you. Because everyone has incredibly long names and there's four of them, I'll just call them Guy 1, Guy 2, Guy 3, and yes, Guy 4, in that order from now on. First up, Alejandro Azel Angulo Tapia, age 26, also known as El Gact II. And don't ask me what that means because I really don't have a clue. He had a record for petty theft and attacks on Peruvians. He owned a shop in the shopping center and was also a Michael Jackson impersonator. Interesting. Next up is Patricio Ivan Ahumada Garay, age 25. He had only been recently released from prison for robbery. He was also known to have attacked Peruvians. Then we have Raul Alfonso Lopez Fuentes, age 25. A known neo-Nazi, he had a history of petty theft as well. He had once tried to join the military, but was rejected. Good for them. As for Guy Four, the youngest one, Fabian Alexis Moramora, age 19, was the first one out of the four to be arrested. Although he had no arrest or criminal record, like his pals, he did once try to brag on Facebook about beating up a homeless man. He got involved with these people when he paid visits to Guy Wan's shop. The following version of the attack comes from one of the accused, Raul Alfonso Lopez Fuentes, as in Guy 3. He admitted guilt and apologized to the family. Okay, sure, whatever. According to him, he and his group of pals had seen Danielle sleeping on a park bench at around 9 p.m. He then left to get some alcohol at a nearby shop. And when he returned, he saw Guy 1 and Guy 2 beating Danielle up. He had his hands covering his face and head, trying to avoid the punches that were being thrown at him. Then they began to hit harder and harder. Guy 3 kind of made it sound like he was just off to the side drinking his alcohol and minding his own business. 
He said he ran out of drinks and went back to get some more. And when he came back, he saw that Guy Tu was attacking Danielle with punches and kicks to the head, his face, his testicles, his legs, and basically all over his body. Danielle's face was seen to be bleeding profusely, and that's when they used a broken bottle to carve the swastika on his stomach. Guy one then grabbed a heavy rock and threw it on Danielle's stomach twice and threw it on his head once. Guy four then grabbed the rock and threw it on Danielle's legs about ten times in total, breaking his right leg. He remembered that it sounded like chicken bones cracking. Oh my God! I shudder at that sound. The four little shits finished their attack by putting out their cigarettes on Danielle's body. They left at around two thirty a.m. Now, of course, Guy Three's version literally places no actual blame on himself. He did not beat Danielle. He did not throw a rock on him. He was just there and probably just put out a cigarette on his body. Not surprisingly, his version did not sit well with his pals. Guy One and Guy Two said, aside from finding Danielle in the park, all the details are wrong. The two claimed to have saved Danielle from an assault in the park. And afterwards, had left with Guy Three to get alcohol and food. Guy Two insists that he left at around 10 p.m. Days later, after he heard about Danielle's attack at the park, he claimed that he tried to contact the Chilean police to tell them what had happened. But before he could do so, he was arrested. What are the odds, right? So, what did Guy One have to say to this version? He initially said. Yeah, what Guy Two said, but soon after he admitted that he had indeed attacked Danielle, and his initial statement was only done so because Guy Two was threatening him. Guy Four also had a say. He insists he never used a rock to attack Danielle. The problem with so many people is that they all have their own versions. It's hard to get the actual story right, but. What we know for sure is that they were all there and involved in some way or another, and that made them guilty one way or another. Finally, we have another version, as told by Guy Four, A.K.A. the youngest dude from the group. This account is rather confusing and a bit strange, but seemed to be the most credible one. So, forgive me if certain parts sound odd and don't make sense. According to his account, a group of him and his other buddies were hanging out at the mall first, then decided to grab some drinks and head to park some borja. They were probably making too much noise in the park and were being annoying, so the park patrol guard came over and asked them to leave. They left. They went to a nearby supermarket, got some booze, then returned to the park. That's when they saw Danielle sleeping on a park bench. And next to him, they saw two other girls. Soon after, the two girls left, and Guy Four told his pals, "Hey, let's go wake him up." Danielle may have been drinking earlier, and when he was woken up, he was startled and seemed to be scared. They first tried to rob Danielle, and when Danielle started to cry, Guy Three asked Danielle if he was gay. Danielle admitted that yes, he was gay. And that he feared for his life because he had been threatened by neo-Nazis before. Guy Three then tried to reassure him that, "Oh, that won't happen," but at the same time he began to make fun of his homosexuality. 
He grew bored of this and left the park to get some rum. And this is when Guy too attempts to rob Danielle again. The scenario I'm imagining is basically four bullies cornering one guy and using a lot of fake friendliness and a lot of intimidation. Guy 4 stated that Danielle fell asleep again, which is why I think he may have been drunk or tipsy. This is when the violence started. Guy 2 decided to wake Danielle up again, but this time with a kick to his temple and his neck. Guy 1 eventually joins in and they start to beat him up, punching and kicking hard, as Guy 4 can still recall the sounds that they made. The two shits took a break to drink some more, and then Guy 1 decided to urinate on Danielle's body. Guy 2 saw this and did the same. Danielle was already unconscious by this time while bleeding from his nose and basically all over his face. Guy 2 then grabbed a bottle, slams it over Danielle's head, breaking it, and Guy 1 used the broken bits to carve a swastika on his abdomen and added in two more punches. Guy 1 then got up close to Danielle and then screamed at him, You gay, you're dirtying up my country. He kicked him in the head once more. The group decided to smoke cigarettes and burn Danielle with them. Guy 3 then sat on Danielle's chest, grabbed his ears, and started to slam his head onto the ground, back and forth. He stopped after a while, got up, and kicked him in the head again. Guy 1 then said he wanted to shit on Danielle. Guy 2 grabbed another bottle of rum, smashed it over Danielle's head again, and this time carved two swastikas on his backside. Guy 1 later grabbed a rock, drops it on Danielle's head, then decided that he's going to use the same method to break Danielle's legs. Guy 2 does the same, and they take turns trying to break his legs. Guy 3 kind of got bored and saw that the rock wasn't doing the trick, so he decided to use his hands to create a lever in order to break them. So they managed to finally break Danielle's right leg. And the four shits laugh and comment on how it sounded like chicken bones. They took a photograph of the broken legs and left the park, leaving Danielle for dead. Okay, you can sigh a sigh of relief now, because I am done with the descriptions. I am so stressed out and disgusted. It is hard to imagine how people are capable of these things. Killing is horrible, but torturing... I think in some cases, it's even worse. I just hope Danielle couldn't feel any of that after he fell unconscious. During the time these four shitheads were coming up with their stories or whatever it is that they were telling the police, Danielle Zamudio was actually making a slight recovery at the hospital. Remember, he wasn't dead when he was first brought to the hospital. His body had some involuntary reactions which were thought to be the beginning of a very slow recovery. But that did not last long. He soon fell into a coma again on March 19th. His condition worsened and became complicated as doctors declared Danielle had severe neurological damage. Days later, Danielle Zamudio was pronounced brain dead. He died on March 27 at 7.45 p.m. His funeral was held on March 30th and thousands of people showed up with rainbow flags and signs to support the family and to demand justice for Danielle. 
Not only that, but celebrities also stood up for Danielle and his family. Like literally two days before Danielle died in the hospital, Ricky Martin had won and dedicated his Glad Media Award to him and his family. And a member from the Russian girl band, I don't know how to pronounce it, Tattoo? Tattoo? Also posted a YouTube message remembering him. In case you were wondering what a Glad Media Award was, it stands for Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. So now this was a murder trial. During the trial and the sentencing about a year later, the judge found all four men guilty of murder in the first degree. This was an act of extreme cruelty and a total disrespect for human life, said the judge. Guy Wan's girlfriend also testified in court, saying that when Guy Wan returned home that night, he had told her that he had just beat up an asshole and broke his legs. He also had that night a bag with him that actually belonged to his girlfriend, and after testing the bag, they found traces of blood that belonged to Danielle. The four were eventually sentenced on October 17, 2013. Guy too was seen as the ringleader and was given a life sentence. Guy 1 and Guy 3 both received 15 years, and Guy 4 only received 7 years due to his willingness to cooperate and his lack of prior convictions. When Guy 2 heard of his sentence, he accused the judges of being paid off. Some people can never take responsibility and face their own doings. He later opposed it by going on a lame-ass hunger strike. Do you think this punishment is right? Is it too severe? Do you think it was too little? Or was it just right? I wonder, though. Danielle Zamudio was abused and tortured in a park, a public park, for about six hours straight. How nobody saw this or saw this but didn't bother to call the police is incredibly baffling. A few things about Guy Four. He was raised by a single mother who died when he was 16. Then his aunt took over raising him and died three years later. When he was arrested, he was under the care of his grandmother, who had been suffering from cancer. She died in 2014. I know, none of this is an excuse for what he did. Not saying it is, but I do suppose it somehow led him to find love and acceptance elsewhere, probably in the wrong place with the wrong people. He was a university student at the time, and although it was rumored that he had ties to neo-Nazi gangs, it was just that. Rumors. He took a liking for gothic styles, nothing really out of the ordinary. He was seen as the weakest of the four, not exactly an attacker, but maybe like a helper. It was said that when he showed reluctance in attacking Danielle or when he wanted to call the police, they turned on him and even punched him. He was scared to leave and didn't want to risk getting beat up, so he stayed. Also during the investigation, Guy 1 and Guy 2 had threatened him to stay quiet and to blame everything on Guy 3. He instead decided to confess to everything, including his part in the crime. He's been under conditional release since 2016. Such a horrific attack, of course, angered many people, especially groups that were defending the rights of LGBTQ and other minorities, such as the Movement of Homosexual Integration and Liberation. 
This group demanded to meet with the Minister of the Interior and demanded that these individuals be tried. They also reported that in the last 10 years, there were around 66 cases of such attacks. It may not sound like much, but these are the ones that were reported. I imagine there to be many more that were never reported. This attack on Danielle really brought attention to how the LGBT community and other minorities were being treated, or rather, mistreated, in Chile. It was time for the government to take action and make some changes. Apparently, there was an anti-discrimination law that had been under review in the National Congress since the year 2005. This attack certainly did speed things up a bit. A new anti-discrimination bill was then signed into law in May of 2012, making it a crime to discriminate against race, ethnicity, religion, sexual orientation, gender, appearance, and or disability. This law is also known as the Zamudio Law. Making this a crime most definitely will not stop people from hating, but hopefully people can hate in silence instead of acting on their hate. The Catholic Church in Chile obviously is not pro-gay, but they also had to condemn such an act of violence. They were unable to fully rebuke this new anti-discrimination act as it was inclusive of other aspects, not just sexual orientation. Many politicians took advantage of this incident and added anti-discrimination and tolerance into their campaigns. Not necessarily a bad thing, but if they really do manage to change the situation, then great. The then-president of Chile, Sebastián Piñera, who was set to oppose gay marriage, has actually promoted a lot of gay rights. I don't know if these two go against each other. It's a bit confusing. He also condemned the attack on Daniel Zamudio, calling it a case of hatred, discrimination, and cruelty. So there you have it. The attack and torture carried out by homophobic asshats which resulted in the death of an innocent man. Chile's acceptance of LGBT has grown significantly in the past few years, but although many people accept it, you cannot stop those haters. Danielle's case was not the first, and unfortunately, I don't believe it will be the last. Danielle has made a huge impact within the community, but it's just unfortunate that it cost him his life, and in such a terrible manner. Stop the hate, people. Till next time. Alright, again, before I go, I would like to thank Mark the Big Ape for his recent review. Thank you so much. And for my new Patreon members, Natalie B. and Mackenzie Fueling. Thank you both so very much. It means so much. I would also like to thank everybody who participated in the PodCards contest. Whether you helped me retweet my tweets, spread the word, or you participated in the contest. Thank you all. I've selected two people to win the podcasts this time, and they are Tanya Todd and Sam Simpson. So, again, congratulations. For those that didn't win the set of podcasts, don't worry, because there will be more to come. So stay tuned next week for more messages from my pod friends. See you then.
Thank you for tuning in to the Asian Madness Podcast. Please help me by rating, reviewing this podcast. If you're on social media, please look for me under the handle Asian Madness Pod. If you have any comments or suggestions, do not hesitate to write me at asianmadnesspod at gmail.com. I truly appreciate each and every one of you for being here. I am your host, Jessica. Till next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.